This is episode 9 of the Wash Talk podcast with Chris Baker from Wetlands International and Francois Briquet from the Global Water Partnership. Welcome to the Wash Talk podcast series from IRC. My name is Andy Narricott and this is the podcast where we open up the discussion on what the WASH sector needs to do to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals. We'll be interviewing people from all over the world, from policymakers and human rights activists, to economists and water service providers, to get us all moving closer to the goals we're striving for. Sustainable Development Goals 6. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get started. WASH and IWRM linkages are an integral part of Sustainable Development Goal 6, but achieving integration remains elusive. Today we're going to hear from two experts who will unpack the challenge at the practical level and then again at the global level, which we hope will improve our understanding of IWRM principles in WASH and help us work more effectively with our IWRM colleagues. But before we dive in, make sure you head over to ircwash.org forward slash washtalk for the summary of the episode and other important topics we cover in the series. So without any further ado, let's jump into this episode on IWRM and WASH. Hello everyone, today I'm talking with Chris Baker at Wetlands International and Francois Briquet from Global Water Partnership. Chris is the Programme Head for Water Resource Management with Wetlands International. Uh, Before that, he was conducting Wetlands Ecosystem Research with University of London. So I'm very pleased to have his knowledge and expertise with us today. Francois Briquet is a Senior Network Officer at the Global Water Partnership, Development Economist, Sanitary Engineer, and has about 25 years in the sector, working with the likes of UNICEF, World Bank and IRC. So I'm excited to dig into this with our very knowledgeable guests. So welcome, Chris. Hi there, Andy. And welcome, Francois. Hello, Andy. Uh, Nice to be here with you, Jan. Great. Well, let's crack in. I'm very excited to talk on this subject with you because it's little little discussed, I believe. Um, Because, you know, linking WASH and IWRM is not getting the attention it deserves by a, a broad range of sector actors and it's meant to be the alternative to this traditional sector by sector management approach for everyone working in their silos but that's easier said than done obviously you know there aren't many tried and tested successful cross collaboration approaches we know some in theory Um, but that obviously needs to change in this SDG era SDG 6 combines goals and targets related to wash and improvements in water resources this is, relates to goal 6.5, and it specifically says IWR, implement IWM at all levels. So Chris, perhaps we could start with you. Could you provide this sort of high-level perspective on how water resource management is affecting WASH services? Thanks, Andy. I think that's a good place to start. To answer this question, you really have to step back a little bit from the, perhaps the more traditional level of attention of the wash sector, which is rather more local, and look at what's happening uh, to water resources more globally, if you like. And here you see uh, that water resources and their availability are increasingly challenged, both by climate change and by increasingly intensive water use. Uh, climate change, of course, uh, is expected to affect uh, the hydrological cycle, so rainfall and temperature, and its effects 
we, for the most part, be manifested through, through the water cycle. It's likely to affect or change at least the availability of water. Uh, and it's also likely to affect the extremes, uh, the droughts and the floods that uh, may be experienced. And this way, it's going to affect both the, the water resource, the, the, su- the supply of water, if you like. And it's also going to really uh, affect the types of and the sustainability of the types of technology that um, already or will be uh, built by the wash sector. The second main driver of problems, of course, is the, is the world population and their need to be fed and their need for energy, both of which are placing a greater impact upon our freshwater resources. The need for increasing agriculture um, and the, the greater uh, need of water to support that, and also the need for things like hydropower, for instance, which uh, also has a significant water demand. These will affect both the amount of water available, they'll affect the timing of water available, especially in, in surface water resources, but not only. And it will also, because of its increased use and the intensification of use, will most likely affect water quality. Now, together, all of these will affect the natural water cycle. And for us, and especially from my organization's perspective, this is about uh, the ecosystems you see at the surface, wetlands, lakes, marshes, swamps, rivers. These are all important wetland types that sit in the landscape and they regulate really the availability of water to people, to nature, uh, to industry, to society as a whole, if you like. And um, with these changes, uh, this has important implications for the wash sector and how it can... uh, deliver water to people and how it can or should dispose of the water from sanitation. Right, okay, so WASH is really up against climate change and uh, intense water use. Um, Can you give us an example of how this is being played out on the ground? So where WASH is being challenged by these things? Thanks, Andy. I think it's good to reflect on a a case or two of where, where we've seen this happening um, we work with many organisations around the world on a variety of uh, issues, for us anyway, surrounding wetlands, but we, we come across these issues related to wash very often. What, one example of that is in the Rwambu catchment in Uganda. There we worked with uh, the Rain Foundation and with uh, civil society organisations in Uganda, such as JASA. And we really looked at um, the failure of wash provision in a small subcatchment of some 3,000 people. Uh, they were experiencing that um, water access in boreholes and wells was no longer um, as easy as previously. Some were, were actually dry and failing, some, some were contaminated. And the toilets put in place to, to support uh, separation of water from, from wastewater, so sanitation, were also failing and broken. And um, perhaps the traditional approach would have been to look at, well, um, what's wrong with the technology, should we drill holes elsewhere, etc, etc. But we took a landscape approach. We looked at um, what was happening in the landscape around and we saw that really one of the big drivers was an intensification of agriculture, actually. It was uh, about um, communities uh, growing more cash crops in that catchment, not uh, paying full attention to good water resource management. And the result was that um, instead of retaining water in the landscape when it rained, water was running off very quickly. It was bypassing uh, groundwater and uh, flowing down to a lake at the bottom of the, the catchment. And so boreholes were, were not recharging in the same way. Um, the construction of the latrines uh, along the slopes uh, in the field, so to say, was failing. They were broken and they were leaking and they were contaminating what water did reach the boreholes. And then further down the catchment, we found that uh, indeed around the lake area, uh, people were encroaching into the wetland and, and damaging water supplies around the wetland as well. So... 
in addition to revising, if you like, the local technologies that were needed to improve this situation, we, we also did a lot of work with the communities to look at how to keep water in the landscape, how to restore the way the landscape's water resources were functioning. Uh, that meant, you know, not surprising solutions, really. It was about putting uh, contours into the landscape to keep water there. It was about building toilets with the right sorts of technologies, compost toilets, um, and it was about defending the, the wetland areas at the bottom from community encroachment, so creating buffer zones around them so that people didn't encroach in and uh, degrade the water supply. And the results were really very striking. We, we got a, an opinion, for our, from our point of view, we had a very nice uh, greening of the region, a return to a more natural environment, which the communities really remarked upon. And we saw that a much more sustainable basis for um, wash provision, the context was improved so that you could uh, sustain the wash provision over longer periods of time. So it's more cost effective. Okay, so obviously we need integrated water resource management to make this all work and get the results that you're seeing. So what needs to happen to get this integration going at different levels? That's an interesting question. We've been working under a partnership, a Dutch-based partnership, with uh, work in many countries around the world, uh, to look at this integration question. Um, so there's a whole range of different actions that, that you could consider. For instance, um, at policy level, we see very often the wash sector and the, and the water resource management sector are quite separate. They have separate reporting lines. They even, in some places, sit in separate ministries. Um, and if you want to try and improve integration, this, this just doesn't work. What wash, its fundamental resource is water. And, and if they're not uh, able to connect and talk to the ministries and agencies working with water and its management, it's rather hard for them to bring the message across and represent their issues. So at government and ministry level, we need some sorts of improvements in how that happens, if you like, uh, interministerial task forces and cooperative arrangements between agencies. Another interesting level we came across is really at the operational level, more at the programming level. How, how do you bring water insecurity, if you like, into the planning of um, WASH? I think there's different frameworks you could think of to achieve that. Um, which would be supportive of an integrated water resources management approach. But a a risk-based approach is one that, for me personally, is very appealing and and is being picked up by other agencies, indeed like like, uh, UNICEF. Uh, And there you look at the risks to sustainable wash delivery, and then that brings in this um, element of water insecurity at all levels, from, from the local level up to the catchment and even to the basin, if you like, and to national policy. Uh, because you start to look at what's driving the risks to, to wash delivery and to its sustainability. And I think um, implementing these sorts of risk frameworks, which actually already in other sectors, such as the humanitarian sector, are already finding more and more traction, might be a, a key to really unlocking some of this integration. It forces people to look at the risks rather than just a general integration. Another interesting aspect of this is really, well, okay, can everyone integrate themselves or do you need organisations to help them? I think that's really an interesting area to explore and it's something that we concluded is really something for civil society. You need organisations that can dialogue with the government, perhaps with private sector, perhaps with communities in who can break through these sectoral barriers between wash and water resource management. Yeah, so that's great. So integration can happen at the policy and programme levels and by cross-sector organisations themselves. So brilliant. So Francois, you can provide more perspective at the global level. Ten years ago, there was a lot of focus on WASH and less on IWRM. Uh, MDG area allowed the silos to grow. 
but not so in the SDG area. The, the silos have literally been brought together by the wording of the SDGs. And so how did it come about that IWRM was a key feature of the SDGs, but it was not picked up by the MDGs? Well, this is a good question, Andy, and uh, um, maybe we can start by, by um, knowing when did uh, the international community actually start to speak about IWRM. It became um, quite an issue during the Rio summit of 1996, where um, integrated approaches were promoted, and uh, which actually gave... Um, the signal to um, the community to say, okay, we need an organization that will actually promote uh, integrated, uh, an integrated approach to uh, water resources management because it hits everyone, industry, agriculture, uh, domestic uh, users, the ecosystem. And uh, so um, I, my organization was created in, uh, as a response to, to this call. And, and so... We, uh, in 1992, sorry, the summit was, and we were created in 1996. And um, with um, this uh, call, we did in, uh, work uh, quite a lot on promoting uh, the issue, but somehow it, did, it was not picked up during the MDG uh, era. Why is this? Because really we, we need to understand that uh, the big difference between the MDGs and the SDGs is that the MDGs was focusing on um, poverty reduction, poverty alleviation, and SDGs are really focusing on development, including, of course, uh, poverty alleviation. So, so it, it has a, a wider spectrum, a wider vision. So, in a way, we did not, uh, we were not considered as a key priority area of intervention. And, right. Um, so this obviously was signaling a big change for organisations. So many are not really set up to collaborate. And, you know, obviously we all know that incentives just aren't there. But what does this mean for orgs not specialised in WASH, particularly yours at the Global Water Partnership? Yeah, so um, just allow me to correction. The summit was in 92 and we were created in 96 as a result. So still, just to, to put the dates right. Very early days, though. <laughs> yeah, very early days. So, um, so what does it mean? You know, for us, it's actually a... An, an amazing uh, breath of fresh air because it says, okay, now we we have um, a commitment, we have a recognized uh, goal and objective, we can actually work um, uh, more uh, on this issue. It doesn't mean that nothing was done, Andy. Um, uh, during this past 20 years, we can say that uh, we, there, there was an evaluation made that recognized that IWRM has been really recognized as a, a key uh, issue to to tackle plans were actually elaborated but many plans stayed in the drawer <laughs> and so now there's a big issue about what do we do and so this this call for um, um, uh, SGG 6.5 on integrated water resource management is indeed uh, a call for action okay now we've got these plans We've got um, um, stakeholders that are aware of this, so now we need to work. So for us, it means really, you know, we, we, we our mandate is even more reinforced. And But of course, we cannot do that alone. And it doesn't mean that, again, we are going to, to, to follow on the silos that were somehow a little bit created uh, uh, during the MDG era. So we, we will in, indeed work much more with the other organizations, Andy. Okay, but so how will you do that? I mean, 
that's the big question. You, know, you probably had to work a lot harder when we were in the MDG area because it wasn't specifically mentioned. And now, okay, you're going to get an audience because it's specifically mentioned in the SDGs, but what are you actually going to do to actually get the integration going at the different levels? Yes, of course. So, But what is interesting, uh, Andy, is that we have also um, the WASH community that realized that it was uh, incomplete. It was um, uh, only a, a part of the vision. If you want to work on water, we, we of course, need to think about access, uh, which was really very much about uh, with the MDGs. But now we need to look at, at processes. I mean, how do you get this water to, to be consumed uh, in terms of quantity and quality? And what, what type of resources can you count on? And with this whole issue of climate change, of having an impact on, on droughts and floods and the excess of uh, our um, uh, insufficient water, it has also quite an impact on, on the service delivery. So... Um, I realize what is really nice is the WASH community and the IWRM community realize that they really need to work together. And I think it's it's very much welcomed by both communities. So in, in that way, I think we, we can say that there are many, many um, open dialogues. We, we are communicating with uh, all our colleagues from UNICEF, the bank, or even IRC. Uh, yesterday I was with IRC talking on how we can actually communicate more with, um, with the WASH community. So there's, a, there's really a, a need to, to, to talk. But to, to reassure you what is quite, uh, and also our audience, what is quite um, interesting is that this uh, dialogue integration between all the different actors and so on um, is also considered at global level. And um, for your information, the, the, there was um, a workshop in The, in the Hague uh, just this week, um, and that workshop was uh, really focusing on SDG 6. It was convened by UN Water, uh, hosted by the uh, government of the Netherlands. And as you know, SDG 6, which is focusing on water, which um, is now not only about access to safe um, water supply services, but also drinking water supply services, but also to um, sanitation and hygiene. It goes to wastewater safety, quality, to, to um, um, water use efficiency. It also goes to integrated water resource management, as I said, transboundary basin uh, management. It also goes to water-related ecosystem and um, so this, um, we realize that we need to integrate, we need to talk. So the UN Water has organized this workshop to see how these different um, ways of managing water, of looking at water, can benefit from their respective networks, respective methodologies, locally, regionally, or internationally, to try to make sure that they merge that there is some um, uh, optimum use of resources, of time. So this integration between the whole water communities ha is happening. So this is a really good news. Good. Excellent. I mean, specifically at the global level, though, I'm, I'm interested to know how this is actually going to be monitored, this, this 6.5. So any latest developments around that? Yes. So... Um, 
six point five is um, uh, is divided divided in six point five one, which is uh, about actually the integrated water resource management, and six point five two, which is about transboundary basin uh, area. So UNEP DHI is the one um, from the the, the the United Nations. Uh, agency that will be, you know, each of the um, uh, indicator, target indicator has a, um, a UN agency or a couple UN agencies uh, responsible of, uh, of uh, collecting the information together with all the other agencies that will be working uh, with them. So UNEP-DHI is responsible for 6.5.1. There has been already some um, some uh, uh, a questionnaire questionnaire with uh, um, about thirty five questions inside, um, re- re- looking at um, rules, regulations about participation, about stakeholders, about financing, and so covering the whole spectrum of what is interesting to look at at uh, the integrated water source management. So as of today. Um, this questionnaire has been tested and now also implemented in many countries, um, I think over 100 um, more are to follow up in the coming months, so that um, in um, uh, June next year, there will be a report done on the status of IWRM to the General Assembly. So um, this is quite interesting. I, I participated myself in several of these um, workshops where this questionnaire was discussed, and it was quite refreshing to see how um, different ministries were talking suddenly together about an issue which they, they had different perceptions about, together with NGOs, together with the private sector, universities. So it has become a a fantastic platform of dialogue within the countries. It's not only about measuring numbers, it's also about creating a momentum in the countries which allows for dialogue, communication, coordination, circulation of information. So this is extremely positive, Andy. We really look at this uh, um, move as uh, very uh, positive for the sector. Great. Excellent. I've just looked that up and there's some really good data via the IWRM data portal with DHIS. So that's IWRMdataportal.unepdhi.org. That's right. And I think everyone can head there and see the latest developments. Um, But thank you very much. We'll leave it there. Thanks very much to both of you, Chris and Francois, for coming on and talking to us about IWRM and WASH. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure there's some really actionable takeaways and latest updates we can all use to advance IWRM at all levels. So thanks very much. So that was Chris Baker at Wetlands International and Francois Briquet from Global Water Partnership. Thank you both Chris and Francois for speaking to us on the Wash Talk podcast with, from IRC. If you liked it, make sure you share it. The web address is ircwash.org forward slash washtalk. And make sure you add to the discussion by using hashtag WashTalk on Twitter or use the comments on Facebook. Don't miss the next episode in a few weeks. But until then, thank you for listening.